On today's Exploring History podcast, I'll share some personal thoughts in tribute to the late monarch of the United Kingdom, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Welcome to Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. Since Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom played such a crucial and prominent role in world history for the last 70 years, it's appropriate to discuss her life and reign on a podcast that explores history. But I have personal reasons as well. Joan Kathleen May Clark was born and grew up in the western English port city of Bristol. That is where the American soldier Wesley Notgrass was stationed during World War II as his unit prepared to take part in the Normandy invasion of France. Wesley and Joan met at church in Bristol. They were married in April of 1945. At the time, Wesley was in Europe with the First Army. He was able to secure a pass to leave his unit for a few days and travel to England for the wedding. After a short honeymoon, he returned to Europe. A few weeks later, Germany surrendered. Joan and Wesley were my parents, so I have a personal connection to Britain that I've always cherished. In fact, I think my mother bore a resemblance to the Queen, but maybe that's just me. Elizabeth was born in 1926, the year before my mother was born. Elizabeth wasn't supposed to be Queen. I hope you can follow this. In 1936, when Elizabeth's grandfather, King George V, died, her uncle ascended to the throne as King Edward VIII. However, Edward was in love with the twice-divorced American woman, Wallace Simpson. The Church of England and many British officials opposed the marriage, so Edward decided to abdicate the throne. This meant that Edward's younger brother, who was Elizabeth's father, became King George VI. So Elizabeth went from facing a life of relative obscurity as one of the extended royal family to being the future queen of the United Kingdom. Elizabeth was 10 years old when her father became king. Her sister Margaret later recalled asking her at the time, Does this mean that you will be queen one day? Elizabeth answered, Yes, I suppose it does. Margaret said, Elizabeth never mentioned it again. George VI was a relatively quiet man, somewhat uncomfortable in public appearances. Because of a severe stutter, he had difficulty giving speeches. He worked hard to overcome his speech impediment and achieved a degree of ability in public speaking. So George VI did not expect to be king, and especially during a world war, that followed only 21 years after World War I. But that is what happened. George won the hearts of the British people, however, as he fulfilled his role nobly. He had a humble spirit and a common touch. During the German bombing of London in the Blitz, George and his wife would go out after bombing raids to visit people as they coped with their bombed-out stores and homes. Princesses Elizabeth and Margaret went on these royal visits as well, and won their share of the public's affection. The royal family spent many nights in underground shelters during the Blitz. 
I remember my parents talking about enduring German bombing raids in Bristol. Bristol was a prime target for the Germans because it was home to a factory that made aircraft engines. Elizabeth and Margaret were educated at home. Their home education looked somewhat different from that of most homeschoolers in the United States today. Their homes, plural, were palaces and castles. Their teachers were largely tutors, and they had certain educational advantages because of their position. For instance, they learned history from the royal archivist and received theology lessons from the Archbishop of Canterbury. When Elizabeth was 14, she gave her first address on the radio, speaking words of encouragement to children who had been evacuated from English cities to the countryside and overseas. As you may recall, in C.S. Lewis's novel The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the four Pevensey children were at a professor's home in the country because they had been evacuated from London. As princess and heir to the throne, Elizabeth led an exceptional life, but it also had everyday elements as well. In 1945, Elizabeth joined the Auxiliary Territorial Service, or ATS. She was a driver and did mechanical repairs on military vehicles. My mother was also in the ATS, and we still have her uniform. After the war, Princess Elizabeth married Prince Philip in 1947. Because Britain was still recovering from the effects of the war, she had to collect ration coupons to buy her dress, as any other young woman of the time did. On the occasion of her 21st birthday in 1947, Princess Elizabeth gave another radio address while she was on a visit to South Africa. In her speech, the future queen made this commitment. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. But I shall not have strength to carry out this resolution alone unless you join in it with me, as I now invite you to do. I know that your support will be unfailingly given. God help me to make good my vow, and God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. Her life turned out to be long, and she kept that commitment. In fact, the Queen appointed the new Prime Minister of the UK, Liz Truss, only two days before she died. In 1952, King George VI was scheduled to visit Africa, but he was in poor and declining health. Princess Elizabeth, 25 years old at the time, stepped in to make the trip in his place. The film of her and her husband Philip departing on this trip shows the king weak and ill. It was the last time Elizabeth and her father saw each other. George VI died on February 6, 1952, while the princess was visiting Kenya. Elizabeth entered Kenya as a princess and left as the queen. 1952, by the way, was the year I was born. During Elizabeth's 70-year reign, she was keenly aware of what was happening in her country and around the world. Every day she would read the documents that the Prime Minister sent to her in the Red Box, a secure lockbox delivered to the Queen every morning. She met weekly with the Prime Minister 
to discuss the issues that the country was facing. She kept a heavy schedule of meetings and appearances, usually working 50-plus hours per week. She continued to work 40 hours a week into her 90s. Elizabeth made an astonishing 325 overseas visits to 150 countries and, by one estimate, personally met over one million people. On these trips, she did more than wave at crowds from her motorcade and take part in fancy state banquets. Elizabeth did her homework in preparation for these trips, and she engaged in serious talks with the leaders of the countries she visited about issues and conditions in those places. The Queen delivered a speech each year at the opening of the session of Parliament, a speech that was written for her by the Prime Minister and his staff. She did this for all but three years during her reign, twice when she was expecting a child, and earlier this year because of poor health. She met 13 U.S. presidents, from Harry Truman to Joe Biden, missing only Lyndon Johnson, and knew 15 British prime ministers, from Winston Churchill to Liz Truss. Churchill first met Elizabeth when she was only two years old. He later commented that even at that age she had an air of authority and reflectiveness astonishing in an infant. Elizabeth reigned from the first years of the Cold War, through the fall of communism in Europe, through the Space Age, the beginning of the European Union, Britain's entrance into it, and Brexit out of it. She adapted to the development of modern technology, including taking part in video conferences over the last few years. I'm so thankful that Queen Elizabeth lived to see her Platinum Jubilee this past summer, which marked 70 years on the throne. She is the longest reigning monarch in British history, and the second longest in world history, behind only Louis XIV of France. If you haven't seen it yet, you owe it to yourself to watch the video of the Queen having tea with Paddington Bear. It is a delightful example of her great sense of humor. Queen Elizabeth II died at the age of 96. Her son, King Charles III, has assumed the throne at the age of 73, the oldest person to become King of Britain. Elizabeth's husband, Prince Philip, died in 2021 at the age of 99. Elizabeth's mother, who was also named Elizabeth and known as the Queen Mum, lived to be 101 so Charles may have a good many years on the throne ahead of him. The majority of the British population, indeed the majority of the world's population, has never known another British monarch. One British citizen remarked that we won't see another queen in our lifetimes. This referred to the current king, Charles III, and his son and heir, Prince William, and William's son, Prince George. William's second child is seven-year-old Princess Charlotte, which makes her third in the line of succession. It is unlikely she will ever assume the throne, but then again, the unexpected does happen in the British royal family. Okay, here's the downside. The royal family has engaged in their share and more of dysfunction. Members of that extended family have not always lived as they should have. That is sad enough, but to have all that played out in the world press and tabloid media made it seem even worse. 
In addition, Britain has a legacy of endorsing the use of enslaved persons and engaging in the slave trade, although they were among the First Nations to outlaw those practices. The British government practiced heavy-handed colonial rule that led to colonial resentment, such as that which led to the American colonies declaring independence, and that led to many other conflicts into the 20th century as colonies broke away from British rule, although some colonies did leave peacefully. But we can't pin that on Queen Elizabeth II. She reigned over a difficult time of transition, the end of the British Empire and the beginning of the British Commonwealth of Nations, which was a much looser association than the empire was. She continued to be head of state for over a dozen other countries, including Canada, and led what is now called simply the Commonwealth, which comprises 54 nations. But so what, you might ask? The queen had no real power. She reigned, but she did not rule. The days of the monarch actually running the country were long gone before Elizabeth ever succeeded to the throne. Why should we care about an out-of-date institution that costs a lot of money to maintain? Here's the so what. Queen Elizabeth was a master at what is sometimes called soft power, a role of influence that quietly gets things done. Besides her international travel, she was a patron of an estimated 600 charities, and many of her public appearances helped bring attention to these efforts. She was an example of duty and hard work. She provided stability and continuity, and she provided her country with a sense of unity, dignity, and tradition. We get a glimpse of her worldwide influence and the esteem with which she was held in the fact that an estimated four billion people, over half the world's population, watched her funeral services. That's the largest television audience for a single event in history. One of her greatest roles was to provide encouragement to the people of Britain, from her wartime visits and speech until recently. In April of 2020, as the COVID-19 pandemic was spreading, the Queen made a rare speech to the nation. She encouraged the people to do what they could to help limit the effects of the virus and encouraged them to believe that better days lay ahead. In her COVID speech, she made reference to the speech she gave when she was 14, encouraging the children of Britain during the war. In her COVID address, Queen Elizabeth said, We will succeed, and that success will belong to every one of us. We should take comfort that while we may have still more to endure, better days will return. We will be with our friends again. We will be with our families again. We will meet again. The Queen herself tested positive for COVID shortly after her Platinum Jubilee. Finally, her greatest gift was as an example of a world leader who held, talked about, and demonstrated a strong Christian faith. A small book published as a tribute to her on her 90th birthday was titled The Servant Queen and the King She Serves, the King She Serves being Jesus. In 2002, Queen Elizabeth said, I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life 
is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings, and to put my trust in God. I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. The Queen delivered a Christmas address each year in which she talked about her faith and about the meaning of Jesus coming into the world. The tradition of a Christmas address by the British monarch goes back to 1932. In December of 1939, Britain had been at war with Germany for three months. As Elizabeth's father, King George VI, prepared his Christmas message for that year, he wondered what he might say to a nation that had lost almost a million British soldiers in the First World War and now faced the reality of even more devastating losses. Elizabeth, aged 13 at the time, gave her father a poem by Minnie Louise Haskins that she thought might help. It did, and it strengthened the hearts of her fellow Britons at that difficult time. Here's the poem. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Good advice for all of us. I'm Ray Notgrass. Thank you for exploring history with me today. This has been Exploring History with Ray Notgrass, a production of Notgrass History. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, and please leave a rating and review so that we can reach more people with our episodes. If you want to learn about new homeschool resources and opportunities from Notgrass History, you can sign up for our email newsletter at exploringhistorypodcast.com. This program was produced by me, Titus Anderson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.